0: Luke 24, verses 36 through 53. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself? Touch me and see. that everything written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them while he blessed them. He parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks
1: be to God. All right, we're finishing our long trek through Luke today and we we had to bring out the ultimate closer, oh, one Mister Jason Byers, to just put this one to rest with us, S-
0: scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: in other words, everyone else was busy today. So. <laughs> I had my Wednesday free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, But it's great to be joined by a great Christ Covenant Elder as we look at these final words of Jesus to His disciples. Um, he he promises the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, one thing, Jason, that uh, Barrett and I were talking about, uh, I think yesterday with the road to Emmaus, is Jesus easily could have just, you know, resurrected and ascended right there, you know, or like appeared to a couple people and ascended. Yeah. Um, And it's actually like you see a lot of God's graciousness and kindness in that Jesus actually stays on earth you know, for this period of time where he's appearing to people, he's explaining the scriptures to people. Um, and he's really laying the groundwork for the church to go forth and for these church fathers and mothers to explain how Christ, you know, we wouldn't have Hebrews and like all these letters if Christ did not have this time of explaining the scriptures. So what are your thoughts on this passage today?
0: Yeah, I agree with that entirely. Um, and I think in large measure in this passage that we read before the Ascension, but the scene before this where he appears, uh, I think contextually here, they're in the upper room, and and he appears to them. And um, in some sense, I think he's giving them a picture mm-hmm. of what life in eternity will be like, mm-hmm. uh, I think in order to ground their hope so that they do go out with a sense of urgency to tell everyone about all that they've seen and heard. Mm-hmm. When Jesus was among them, he, he, first off, they they marvel at his body. Hmm. They can't believe he's there. They think they're seeing a ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus points out to them, "No, this is—he's now living, having resurrected. He's living an embodied existence." Mm-hmm. Um, I think when he we he asked for something to eat, sometimes we infer that Jesus was hungry mm-hmm. and he needs something to eat. I, I don't think the text exactly tells us that. Rather, I think we have a clue as to what he's up to here by looking at what comes before and that they think they're seeing a ghost. They don't understand what kind of body he has, so mm-hmm. he, he shows them exactly what kind of body he has. Mm-hmm. This is an embodied existence, mm-hmm. um, but it's different, and this is where I think um, he's hoping to, to ground their hope. Um, it's a body. Jesus is living now in a body that's fit for both earth and heaven. Mm-hmm. We see him with them on earth, and then he ascends in the very same body mm-hmm. uh, to heaven. Um, and so that points us to the time when, as as Jason has preached so many times before, it almost recalls Eden, mm-hmm. where heaven and earth overlapped. Yeah, uh, and and in the eternal kingdom, heaven and earth will again overlap, and we, all of us, in fact, will live embodied existences mm-hmm. in um, in bodies that. Are suitable for both heaven and earth because at that point heaven and earth will be the same. So I think um, I think Jesus is giving them a clear picture of what they can ground uh, their hope in, what their existence will be like in the uh, eternal kingdom. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And you know what's happening here? It's a it's a big cornerstone of of apologetics. It's like a big big pillar. Is you know these men a few days ago um, when Jesus is being crucified. They're nowhere to be found. Yeah. You know, we have uh, Simon of Cyrene. Uh, we have the Morning woman. You know, we know from elsewhere that John is there. Um, but Peter, he's run off and denied Christ. Judas has hanged himself. All the other disciples, they're just nowhere. You know, presumably they went back and hid in the upper room or something. And I love the way the book of Luke ends, that they're continually in the temple worshiping God. Yeah. And so this this group of cowards, then at the end, they're they're in the temple, they're worshiping, you know, and the temple they're they're kind of going back into enemy territory. Right. I mean, it was the chief priests and scribes who killed Jesus. And, you know, like they they were on the most wanted list. And so there's something that they saw and that they encountered that rather than just being dispirited. You know sort of ragamuffins of a failed revolution they're actually going back boldly to the temple they're going to synagogues teaching and so simply there there had to be something incredibly stirring yeah incredibly impactful and emboldening um, and here we have them eating with Jesus and being promised the Holy Spirit so
0: yeah they they certainly believe they had been witnesses to something yes transformational yeah um and it appropriate I think that Luke ends in the temple when mm-hmm. that's basically where Luke's story began as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we end in the same place we began with joy and and blessings of the people blessing their God. Mm. I, thinking through this, I, I remember um, a few years ago when the Braves won the World Series for the first time in yeah, 25 on. years. Um, <clears throat> in Atlanta, uh, all the schools were out. Mm-hmm. On the day of the parade, you know, yeah. we, the city held a parade. The team ran through, rode through downtown, yeah. rode through Cobb County, and thousands upon thousands of people were there to celebrate the Braves' victory. Yeah, which and,
1: this was like a month after I moved to Atlanta. Is that right? Yeah, it, it, was, so, uh, it was awesome. But I also have literally never lived somewhere that cares about baseball, <laughs> and uh, and so it was such a like strange experience. Well, for yeah, me. the Barons in Birmingham. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. yeah, Birmingham. Um,
0: <laughs> but uh, in any case. I just remember the, the city stopped. Um, mm-hmm. Schools were out. Yeah, Offices, in some instances, closed. They certainly gave employees leeway to go yeah. and participate yeah. in the celebration of the Braves World Series victory. Mm-hmm. How is it then, if, if that's what we do for uh, a game, yeah. to celebrate victory in a game, how are we to celebrate victory over death itself? Yeah, um, absolutely. And it, I think… Here we get, in some sense, a taste of what that's like. That it, it you know, we, um, Jesus' disciples, returned to Jerusalem with great joy, mm. and were continually in the temple blessing God. So they weren't just blessing God, but they were blessing God without end. Mm-hmm. In a similar sense, that we're to continually be praying to God because of Christ's victory over death. Yeah, our our joy and jubilation and praise and blessing of God as a result of this ought to be nonstop. Mm. Jason has preached recently about, um, what the, about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, think, I think I remember, well, he said, the, the kingdom of God is basically anywhere God reigns. Mm. And that and it wouldn't be right to say that God reigns in all of Atlanta necessarily, but if he sure. reigns in our hearts, then we can live now. Um, The kingdom is accessible to us who love Him now. Yeah, we can live in a manner that um, points us to the way that we will live under His eternal reign. Mm -hmm. Um, Dallas Willard defines. I love Dallas Willard, and he he defines the kingdom of God that everywhere where God's will is made manifest. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we can live now. in a way that God's will is made manifest. We do that because Jesus has been victorious over death. We can praise God continually. Mm-hmm. If we can take a day off of work and I can take Jacob to the Braves parade because they won the World Series, then how ought we to celebrate this ultimate victory Yeah, over death? Yeah,
1: I loved that you, you connected that the story ends in the temple and you know we one thing you and i have in common is we both love a good book yeah um and the you know the two you know like crucial parts of a great novel are where does it pick up and where does it leave off Mm -hmm. you know the the beginning and the ending and for a great book when you wrap it up the the last page will just have this amazing, you know, it ties everything together and kind of calls back the entire story of this character or something. And uh, it'll just put a bow on it in a unique way that just leaves you both so happy that you finished the book and so sad that it's over. And Luke, you know, Luke, I love his gospel because Luke's very intelligent. And so we've seen a lot of really impressive threading and connecting of themes throughout here. And it ends with the disciples worshiping at the temple. Why are they worshiping? Because they've seen God yeah. defeat death. They, they've seen God rise from the dead and, and ascend and promise to send power from on high. Well, where does the story start? It starts with a man named Zechariah serving in the temple. Yep. Uh, you know, an old man with a barren wife mm-hmm. serving in, you know these 400 years of silence. A very grim, unimpressive scene. A sense of defeat. A sense of maybe. defeat. Yeah. Yep, in yeah. a captive nation yeah. to the Roman Empire, and God visits His people. Mm-hmm. He speaks to Zachariah, and, and his wife Elizabeth bears John the Baptist. And then, you know, um, through all this, Jesus comes, and so it it begins with this grim scene in the temple and it ends with this really joyous powerful th- these these cowards these fishermen these tax collectors who have nothing in common are worshiping in the temple together. Yeah. And I love it because if you look at the beginning and you look and at the and our promised end, power. Yeah, and our promised power they they are empowered. Yeah. And so if you look at the beginning of the book and look at the end of the book only then it just points to wow, something absolutely yeah. astonishing happens in the middle of it. Yeah, that's great. Um so it's been it's been a joy to go through this book and um we are we're going to start looking at some different texts tomorrow so jason thank you for helping us wrap up the gospel of luke for jason byers this is will carlisle and we're going to change it up and we'll see you tomorrow in second kings on our daily rhythm thanks for listening to our daily rhythm